0: Hello friends and welcome to a brand new pipe and hot fresh out of the oven episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips season two episode 34 rookies farewells and playoff preview I am your host today Patrick Marsh Clayton is off doing much more important things uh Justin how are you doing out there in Saskatoon how's the weather
1: it's really rainy today man it's uh it's wet it's cold. It's only like seven degrees. We are firmly into fall. It sucks.
0: Yep. Get ready for <laughs> six plus months of absolute trash weather. <laughs> it's going <laughs> to suck. Uh, we got kind of the same thing going on here. It's cooled off quite a bit here in Halifax. Um, last time I checked, which was earlier this week, that crane that fell over during Hurricane Dorian, it's still there. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh Terrible. Uh, but uh, Clayton's actually off on his honeymoon, so that's a thing. Uh, <laughs> you'll have to forgive us uh, here in advance. We're doing this recording session here at home. We had some last-minute scheduling stuff happen, so the audio is going to be a little bit worse than usual. But uh, you know what? You don't come here for the quality audio. You come here for the deep dive statistical analysis sabermetric talk that justin gives us every week and occasionally i make a funny joke at the expense of a player <laughs> <laughs> uh, as always please feel free to send us in questions we're on facebook although we don't really use the platform as much anymore facebook.com slash bad maple dips uh, twitter is our big account at bfmd podcast you can find us on anchor itunes Spotify google TuneIn, in stitcher we're everywhere we're still not on uh Nextopia, but you know oh, don't hold your, yeah, don't hold your breath for that
1: that's a real blast from the past of that
0: reference that's a call that's a callback man that's a callback but uh thanks for taking the time to listen to the episode um you know it's the end of the season but there's still a lot for us to talk about and we're definitely going to be talking about the playoffs And, of course, as usual, we are going to be giving our players their end-of-year grades because, you know, what makes for better content than grading your betters? So we might as well just get started here. Uh, Justin, the first thing we should talk about today is uh, kind of like a look back on our season with uh, the rookies that we've had start this year. Um, The J set an MLB record this year with six rookies hitting at least 10 home runs. So uh, that list includes Bo Bichette hitting 11, Danny Jansen with 13, Velati with 15, Kavon Biggio with 16, uh, Billy McKinney, I think had 18 and Rowdy Telez hit 21. So the question I had in mind was out of all these uh, six Uh, home run hitters that we had. Who was the rookie of the year out of all these guys?
1: Kevin Biggio. Really? Hands down.
0: That is a very spicy take, Uh, especially if you look at all the batting averages. He doesn't quite stack up to Bo or Vladdy. He might even have... He might have a better batting average than Billy McKinney. I don't recall. He does. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, what's your justification for uh, Kavan being our best rookie?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the on base percentage. Um, Kevin Biggio, three sixty three on base percentage. It's one hundred and thirty points higher than his batting average of two thirty three, and um, it's higher than Vladimir Guerrero's bat- or on base percentage of three thirty nine. So, uh, well, yeah, Vladimir might have a better average than Kavan. <clears throat> he doesn't get on base as much. So I'm I'm going with what Kevin's done in, in uh, in the last at bats. Vladdy has 510 at bats. That's 100 more than, than Kevin Biggio, and uh, and Kevin's had a better season than Vladi.
0: Yeah, I mean that's fair. Um, I think if Bo was given more time, he probably would have surpassed both of them as far as what he what he's been doing at the plate. It, isn't his batting average still above 300?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it finished above. About 300, I'm going to do a quick dive here. Um, yeah, 311, and it's unlikely that he's going to play again this season just because of that concussion. They won't they won't rush him back. Um, yeah, they're following again, All right. on His on-base percentage is still lower than Kevin Vigio by five points. So I'll take the guy who gets on base and can hit for power too. I mean, not that Bo didn't hit for power. He had 11, 11 homers in, in half of Kevin's time and only 200 at-bats. So, I mean, it, great, great start for all three of those guys. But in terms of total value, um, Kevin's the best defender out of the, out of the group, in my opinion. Most versatile, too. And he has the best eye at the plate, and he has the speed to steal bases as well.
0: Well, Danny Jansen, I mean, it's different for catchers, but Danny Jansen has been pretty competent behind the plate. I haven't Incredibly. checked lately. Lately, but I know his caught stealing percentage for most of the year was uh, above the league average. So he was above average at picking guys off. Mm-hmm. Um, Bo Bo is okay defensively. Laddie is uh, got some work to do, we'll say. Um, Billy is kind of like okay at everything, and um, Kavan is strong no matter where you put him, which is good because we kind of need somebody to be. Super utility here at the end of the year. What about Rowdy Tellez? Where do you where do you rank him as far as all the rookies?
1: Better than Billy McKinney, but that's about it. He hits home runs, and that's that's his value, and that's fine. Um, he'll be a DH at some point if he can actually hit thirty five to forty home runs in the season. Which I mean, if, if you look at his stats and what he did in, in part of a year this year, he probably could hit thirty five to forty home runs uh, over a full season. So I mean. He'll be a he'll be a DH, and that'll be that'll be his value in the future is hitting home runs.
0: I'm not going to drop any specific names, but one thing I'd really like to see the team work on during this offseason, uh, it's got to be conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to again. I'm not going to say who specifically, but some of our players uh, I think would benefit quite a bit with conditioning. It doesn't necessarily make them better fielders. Um, but it certainly will make them run faster or at least have more consistent speed with running. And I'll just kind of leave it at that. Um, so obviously with the big three making it to the show this year, uh, it looks like our, our hitters are on a good track. All six of those guys hit 10 home runs, and at least 10 home runs, and no doubt uh, all of them have the potential to crack 20, and we'll just kind of wait and see what next year brings, but uh, how do you feel about all those younger pitchers we had start? So Trent Thornton, Anthony, Kay, TJ, Zoic, uh, and Jacob Wagaspak. Uh, you know, none of them really stand out as far as being elite or sensational, but how would you rank these guys, and who do you think is the strongest?
1: Yeah, l- limited time, and I mean, all very different guys. You've got the strikeout pitchers in Thornton and Kay, and then the ground ball machine in Zoic, and then White Goose Pack kind of slots in um, somewhere in the middle there as, as kind of a guy who strikes out a few a few batters and can also get balls in play and induce that weak contact. I'd say highest ceiling, Anthony Kay, um, most likely to have a, a long and successful career. Maybe TJ Zoic just because of the way he has that power sinker um, and he really keeps the ball in the ballpark. And that's great for a number four or number five guy. I think Anthony K kind of morphs into a number two or number three starter over the course of his career. He kind of gets into that um, six or seven inning with like ten strikeout kind of outings, whereas T.J. like might be able to give you like six or seven innings as that fourth guy every time out and, and just limit runs allowed and just be kind of an innings machine.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you there. One, It really impressed me at the start of the year how – uh, strong Trent Thornton was as far as striking mm-hmm. guys out, but he's only struck out about 44 batters in his last 50 innings or so. Right. And so we're seeing his K rate go down, but he's become a little bit more efficient as a pitcher, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Limiting the walks and things like that. I had to say out of all these guys, the one that I thought had the strongest season was Jacob Waggis back. But I have to say, every single one of them appears to be somewhat out of gas, especially Trent and Jacob, because they—I don't think they were expected to pitch as much as they did this year in MLB. And certainly Trent, being given the ball early in the year, being one of our like absolutely must starts every five five mm-hmm. games, that must have been rough on him, especially when he struggled at the beginning. Didn't he start the year something like three and seven or two and seven? I don't know if it got much better for him, but he, as far as wins and losses go, but he was just, he was all over the radar where he was walking a lot of guys, but he was also striking out a lot of guys. Yeah, so I mean, he was leveled off a bit at least. You,
1: you look at his, at his actual stats, and they don't really, nothing really stands out as being terrible. I mean, his ERA is at five. Uh, but his ex 5th is four ninety eight so he's pitched exactly as the exactly as the outlying stats um mm-hmm. predict he would um a guy like uh, he's he's pitched one hundred and forty nine innings this year um which which is about seventeen more than he pitched in uh 2017 which was one hundred and thirty one innings that year so he's he's already pitched more than he ever has um uh, in a season uh, i mean a guy like Anthony k. Um, you look at his numbers, and he's pitched in um, nearly 90 innings this, or sorry, over over 150 innings this year. Across, cause he started in Double A with the Mets, and then obviously moved to to Triple and then over to the Buffalo Bison before he came to Toronto. So he's pitched a lot of innings this year too. Um, and in 2018, he just barely pitched over 110. So he's already moved up a lot of innings this year as well. So. It's really a growth year for these guys. And obviously a guy like Kay, he's already, uh, he's already 24 and a half years old. So by the time opening day rolls around next year, this guy is gonna be is going to be close to 25, if not already. Um, he will be 25, and uh, he'll be ready to kind of take that step into the big league rotation. Um, I know you mentioned Wagus Pack as, as a guy who maybe could be the rookie of the year there too. Uh, none of these guys to me really... Stand up as a guy who will hurt you in the long run. They all can provide you with those quality starts. Yeah, they might have a dud every once in a while, but I mean, outside of the the elite arms in the league, who doesn't throw a dud every once in a while? So, I'm on the I'm on the side of the fence where I think all four of these guys will definitely see starts next year. Whether or not they're all starting in Toronto or remains to be seen, or whether or not there's a couple of in Toronto or in a couple in Buffalo with that first-up kind of mentality. Um, We'll definitely see a lot of these guys next season.
0: Oh, for sure. And just as a frame of reference, this is something I was actually thinking about a little bit just when you brought up uh, their ERA. Mm The average ERA in MLB went from 4.15 last year to 4.52 this year.
1: Yeah. Just dramatic.
0: So. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah well yeah but also when you think about it uh a little bit more having a, a pitcher with an era of five only puts them slightly above the average era for mm-hmm. the entire league and every pitcher
1: that's very true So it, do, it doesn't really
0: it, it, it's not like uh an alarming stat or anything like that To th- to like for a pitcher to have a Era of five. Although the last time uh, MLB had uh, an ERA this high, you have to go all the way back to 2006. Hmm. And then yeah. if if you go back uh, further than that, it would have been 2000, So like right around the juice era.
1: So. So it's been a while. Yeah, definitely it was a, it was a year for hitters. I mean, you see, you see a lot of guys with. 30 40 even getting up to that 50 home run range where you've got uh, Pete Alonso up there now and, and a couple of guys right behind him at like in the high 40s So there, there's definitely a year of the slugger again and year of offense It's gonna be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs because we, we I know we always love seeing those Those tight playoff games, but it might be a game where it's more like 10 11 instead of a three to two um, So we'll see what happens there, but yeah, definitely um that's kind of why I like looking at other things outside of ERA, like the walk numbers, the, the BABIP, the runners left on base, home runs per fly ball, stuff that dictates more on pitcher performance than, than what, what, what the rest of the league's been doing.
0: What's also bananas is that with ERA trending upward
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: across the entire league and every game played and uh, every inning pitched, uh, home runs per nine. This is the highest home runs per nine statistic 1.4 home yep. runs per nine. This is the highest, uh, according to baseball reference, ever.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're 24, 25 teams who have hit over 200 home runs this year. Yeah. And tough. and I think what the, the Twins broke last year's Yankees single season home run record with 32 games left to play. So, yeah. <laughs> The That's other thing, bananas. is
0: is uh, other things that are trending upward. Strikeouts per nine is also trending upward. In yep. the last five years, it went from 7.8 to
1: 8.9. Crazy. Is, what, are, what are walk numbers at, too?
0: Uh, BB per nine are, is trending up in the last five years Oof. from 2.9 in 2015 to, uh, to the, 2019 season 3.3, so it's up by 0.4 which is a lot significant but it's it's not higher than what it's like the absolute peak i think the peak at least in the last 20 years is uh 2000 that same year Mm -hmm. we saw a spike in era during the juiced era and so
1: i'm curious i mean I remember I talked about this a long time ago, but there's something that people in baseball are calling the, the three true outcomes now, the, those three outcomes yeah. being a home run, a walk, and a strikeout, right? It's either you get on base, you clear the bases, or you don't get on base at all. Um, so that's, I think that's why we're seeing maybe a, a rise in power numbers, but I'm guessing that batting average has not gone up nearly as much or maybe at all. Uh, do you have the stats on that in front of you?
0: I don't. <laughs> I okay. just, no,
1: that's fine. I'm just it's just going off of my gut here. I'm assuming it does. Um,
0: it does seem like we are seeing a, a trend towards more extreme, where it's either like mm-hmm. it's all or nothing. And this is something actually you pointed out earlier in the year. And it it was it's interesting where we're hitting the end of the year now, and once again, you're right on the money as far as trends in MLB as far as the, the what are you calling it the three true outcomes the true outcomes yeah it's kind of cool that's kind of a cool phrase we'll see we'll see what happens next year i wonder what is going to happen in the minor leagues now that everybody's used to the new MLB ball mm-hmm. uh, and whether or not the ball was actually juiced this year or not i i don't know what to think of that exactly but
1: yeah i just i just ran a uh... A table on fan graphs so in in 2009 league-wide batting average was 262 it hasn't been above 260 since then with the lowest year being being last year when it was 248 and yeah. this year's batting average is 253 but looking at um, at walk numbers it hasn't really changed too much strikeouts definitely gone up and obviously home runs there there have been 1600 more home runs hit this year than there were in 2009. Is um, that a record? This is this is the year that there have been the most home runs ever. Yeah, um, but slugging percentage is also 17 points higher this year, um, and like ISO, the power metric is 28 points higher. So guys are guys are hitting for power more, and we're seeing less stolen bases there's 700 less stolen bases this year than there were 10 years ago the high for stolen bases in the last 10 years is actually uh 2011 and 2012 when there were over 3200 stolen bases so we're a thousand less stolen bases than there were even 7 years ago so wow. people people aren't stealing bases cuz cuz they're hitting home runs right so it's baseball has moved away from the days of having that quote unquote 300 batting average guy at the top of the lineup who can steal bases And it's moved more into, okay, how can, who can we put up there that can hit a home runner for us right away? It's move into that mentality because they want to just get, get on the board and get runs any way they possibly can.
0: Well, gone are the days of the Ricky Henderson's. And now we're going to see a lot more Bryce Harper's and Mike Trouts, not necessarily a bad thing, but I'm going to pivot back to talking about our guys. Uh, obviously we said Danny Jansen improved his defensive play immensely. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it kind of speaks for itself. I think he's finishing his up the year around where Clayton had predicted his batting average to land, which is I think he said two oh eight. It's two oh six right now. Yeah. But obviously it's way lower than what either you or I expected. Um but, but it's I want to higher
1: than it was. <laughs> yeah, I want to
0: talk about his uh his be- well, not his better half. I wanna talk about the other guy that we have uh, primarily doing catch duties for us this year, Reese McGuire. Um, yeah. I mean, we're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, but just briefly, you want to give us a little taste of uh, what has come with Reese McGuire? At least, what? Where do you think he fits in to the to the team in the long term?
1: A uh, highly competent backup. <laughs> We saw Reese in, in 14 games last season too. So in his combined um hundred and thirty-four plate appearances so far, he's batting three oh six, which is not gonna stay the same. It's not gonna happen the rest of the way. I mean, he's uh the last couple of years in the minors, he's been a two thirty-three, two forty-seven batter. So he's gonna be more in that two fifty kind of max range over the course of his major league career. Um, But he's definitely going to be a very serviceable backup catcher. Um, Doesn't hit for a ton of power. We've seen him hit five home runs this season in 100 plate appearances, which is the same total he had in 300 plate appearances in Buffalo. So I'm not expecting this guy to come out and hit 20 home runs, especially when him and Danny will probably be doing a 3-2 to timeshare. At least in my opinion, that's probably what the Jays will try and do with him next season. Uh, I see him as being a very good defensive catcher and a very good game caller. I mean, it seems like the games I've watched with him, I thought he's done a good job of managing the game and managing the pitching staff. Not that Danny Jansen has, and I just think Reese McGuire's strengths are definitely more on that side of things. And I think him and Danny are going to help each other in that regard where um, they'll definitely play off each other and, and have a lot of conversations about that staff.
0: Yeah, I, I, again, I think you're right on as far as that assessment goes. One thing, I'd, I'd like to see Reese McGuire play at least 60 games next year or at mm-hmm. least bat for 60 games because I kind of want the team to test the waters as far as whether or not he's actually really locked in as far as the, uh, being able to you know, crush it at the plate. Yeah. I, I want to see what he can do over a longer stretch of games instead of these small samples collecting together to look really good because we saw it with uh Rowdy last year. He hit two ninety something or other um before the end of the year. And then this year, uh you know, he's certainly not hitting for average. Um, but we'll say that Rowdy did hit for power this year. Uh he kinda took over the role for of being a resident power hitter for Justin Smoke, who definitely did not have a good year. Um you did kind of mention a little bit about Rowdy being a DH, but if he ends up coming to DH, who do you see as being our first baseman of the future, if not Rowdy?
1: Yeah, I don't know if that person's in our organization. We've, we've got guys like Chad Spanberger and Ryan Noda and uh, Griffin Conine who might end up as a first baseman. He's playing the outfield right now. So there are options in that minor league system, but there's nobody who's ready yet I think the Blue Jays are going to be aggressive with Griffin Conine this this next season. Um, to me he just seems like a first baseman. His bat definitely profiles as either a corner outfielder or a first baseman, maybe a hybrid of, of both of those positions. But he did he led the Midwestern League where the Lansing Lugnuts play in in home runs this year with 20 and he missed the first what was it, 60 games with that with that in suspension and he still led that league in home runs. So I think they'll be very aggressive with him next year. He'll probably start in New Hampshire. Uh, but we could see Griffin Conine be one of those guys who, if there are some injuries or um, ineptitude when it comes to offense in those corner outfield positions, again, like there was this year um, at points, uh, assuming Rambo Grichuk wins a center field job, somebody's got to play right field. And then they, we might see Griffin Conine come up, and he could be a kind of guy that would either split DH time with, with a Rowdy Telez. Maybe play him at first base, maybe play him in right field, um, just to get his power in the lineup. I still think Ryan Noda has a chance, too. He, yeah. he's, he's got the eye, right? He's, he can take walks, and he can hit for power as well.
0: Do you really think that they'd fast-track Griffin Conine that fast to have him come up to MLB next year?
1: I mean, I don't see them, them holding him back. Uh, the kid's 22 already. It's not like he's fresh out of school anymore. Um, I think he skips that he didn't go straight to, to New Hampshire. The big concern with him is that he does strike out a shit ton. Like, a lot, a lot of strikeouts. But, but yet, his, he's, he's got that power.
0: <laughs> his OVP uh, in Lansing this year, despite the fact that he is a strikeout machine, his OBP was still 371. So, yeah. uh, again, we're seeing a little bit of that. Uh, one true outcome situation where, yeah, Strike about a, walks or home runs. Yeah, well, I mean, a quarter of his hits were home runs, which is solid. Yeah. Um, he out of his three hundred and four at bats, one hundred and twenty five of them were strikeouts. So that's a strikeout rate well over thirty percent. Um, thirty six to be exact. Yeah, but yet he still had uh, not a terrible walk rate. It was over ten percent. Mm-hmm um a 576 slug and a 946 ops that's that's good enough he definitely deserves to be or he's earned rather uh the call up to double a and then we'll just kind of see when he's ready because the jump between double a and triple a i think is more significant than people give it credit for Mm -hmm. because you're starting to see in triple a pitchers start experimenting with their second and third pitches where they're trying to you know Make the sinker work or make the curveball work or make the slider work. Other double A, I think he's going to mash like absolute crazy because he's going to see a lot of fastballs and certainly he's a power hitter. And given that they're using the MLB ball now, I just think double A is right for the picking for Griffin Conine. But um, one last thing about our, our rookies this year uh, Elvis Luciano, 19 year old. Pitched yeah. enough to fulfill the Rule 5 requirements. It was a rough season for him. He had injuries. Uh, he didn't pitch well uh, in a lot of his appearances. Uh, he can now stay in the organization, so we get him for basically nothing. Uh, and he can be sent to the minors uh, at the end of the season, uh, never to return, or at least for now. Do you think Elvis Luciani has any type of future with the Jays, or was this just a disaster from the start?
1: Uh, he's got a future for sure. He, he wasn't ready for big leagues, obviously, but this was a move by a team who wasn't going to compete anyway, who yeah. will ne- almost lose a hundred games, but not quite. <laughs> um, this is the guy who's going to be, he's going to be on the 40 man roster still, but he's probably going to go to either, uh, maybe Dunedin, but more likely New Hampshire and pitch in double A, um, as a 20 year old. And we'll see what happens to him. He may be back in the bullpen at some point. He just needs to go down there and get reps in. I know he was he was on the the disabled list for a very convenient amount of times so that he could come back and have just enough days on his uh, service time on his, on his clock to uh, meet those Rule Five requirements. So one one thinks that wasn't a coincidence and and that it was a very calculated move, but good on the team for, for bringing in a player who they think can provide some, um, some depth. And he was, he was a starting pitcher when we got him, right? So we'll see if they, if they stretch him back out next year, and we'll see how his stuff plays out as a, stre- as a starting pitcher.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, yes. Uh, not for nothing, but in his final eight performances of the year, uh, such that they are uh, the four that he had in June, the four in September, um... In those 10 innings, he did uh, ring up nine guys. He did give up a home run, uh, five walks, which is obviously a ridiculous rate. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he clearly did better than he did in April and May. It might have been one of those things, I think, where the team hoped that he would be a phenom and it just ended up not happening. But, I mean, he was absolutely brutal in, in April and May. Which were was where he got the majority of his innings, yeah, like I said, those the back eight uh, performances that he had this year were only 10 innings, while in his first 22 innings, or 22.1 innings, sorry, his ERA was 6.85, uh, and he walked almost a guy an inning, Not really a great start to his professional <laughs> career, but you know what? It was an experiment, and I wouldn't even say that it failed because we get him for free. He goes into the minors. He'll be 19 uh, at the end of the year. His birthday is February fifteenth, so he will barely be 20 years old when the season starts. I think you're absolutely right in that New Hampshire is a good place for him to go down, fix his shit. He'll definitely be on the 40-man. But, you know, sometimes guys when they start their careers like even if i recall greg maddox had a really high era and just not good looking stats uh, <laughs> in his his year before his rookie year or whatever so i mean i'm not saying he's gonna be greg maddox but i mean like
1: that's exactly what you're saying yeah he was never gonna be a,
0: <laughs> you know so uh, moving on from the rookies uh there's quite a few players that we may or may not be saying farewell to uh on sunday uh, yeah. some of which we may not want to go back. So I'm just going to run through the list right quick and you can kind of let me know what you think as far as whether they stay or go. Obviously, the big one, the last player left from our 2015 run in the playoffs, Justin Smoke. Um, what do you think about his season um, without bearing the lead too much as far as what his grade will be we get to that? And um, do you think he has a future with the Jays?
1: Uh y- yes, I think he has a future with the Jays. Um depending on what they decide to do with Rowdy Teles. If they want to give Rowdy Teles full-time first base duties next season, then no, uh Justin Smoke will not be back. That will make no sense. They will give those DH at bats to somebody else um who they want to work out. It'll be unfortunate to see Smokey go. He he was very unlucky in terms of his of his BABIP this year at 216. So his 204 average is not indicative of, of, of his level of play. His on base percentage still 339. He struck out less than he did last season and walked more. This is the highest walk rate of his career to be totally to to be truthfully tr- totally truthful. So he hasn't really lost a step there. Um, 99 wRC plus, which is low just because of that batting average, uh, but still a great great mentor, um, and a great presence in that lineup who is still capable of, of going off when, when they need a big hit. Would like to see him back. Don't think he will be.
0: Egon. Yeah. Egon. It just doesn't make sense for us to pay the money to keep him. I'd rather mm-hmm. us reinvest the money somewhere else. I think we can get by without Justin Smoke at first base. Totally. But- it would be great if we invested the 10 or 11 million that it would cost for us to bring him back in a competent starter. But we'll get to that. Eventually, we'll have a free agency episode. <laughs> um, but moving on, Ken Giles, obviously, uh, he has had a weird season in that he was hurt. He came back. There was no reason for him to pitch because we were either up by six runs or down by six runs. Ninety percent of the time it was down by six runs. So he didn't really get a lot of playing time. But that being said, he definitely proved he is one of the better closers in the league. Certainly one of the most efficient. So is Ken Giles done? Or are we going to deal him? Or do you think he'll stick around?
1: So Ken Giles has blown one save in his last uh, 49 chances. Between between Houston last year and us this year. He's 22 for 23 this year. He was perfect last season. That's very good.
0: <laughs> I, know yeah. lot people,
1: I know a lot of people out there are like, oh, closers, boo. But, I mean, there are, there are effective closers out there, and Ken Giles is definitely one of them. Um, one more year of arbitration coming up. He made $6.3 million this year in arbitration, and you got to think he's probably due for a raise um, based on his level of play when he, when he was pitching which was 52 times this year he's appeared, 52 innings. Um, he, he's not one of those guys who comes in for more than one inning, that's for sure. He's he's a fireballer. Uh, but he added 1.8 wins above replacement in 52 innings. So very valuable bullpen guy. I would love to see him back and, and trade it at the trade deadline next year if they, if they decide not to sign him to a long-term deal, which, based on the Jays' history, they probably won't. Um, if the great deal comes up in the offseason, season, would love to see him get traded also. Ken Jones is kind of one of those guys where it's like, would love to see him back and wouldn't be sad to see him go.
0: He might be our most valuable trade piece next year. In fact, I would say he's by far the most valuable trade piece. He
1: would be the only valuable trade piece on the team, yeah.
0: Which, again, begs the question of why would you trade one of the most competent relievers? <laughs> I mean he's only what 29 years old. 29, yeah. He's 29, yeah. That, yeah. That's that's fine. I mean, he's Yeah, absolutely. Def- it's true. And the thing is he's finally figured it out here in Toronto between uh the tough time he had in Houston, we don't have to rehash that again. Yeah. Uh, punching himself in the face. Uh and then <laughs> obviously coming to Toronto, he's stated that he wants to be here long term. He's stated that he loves it. He's become mm-hmm. a leader. In the bullpen, he's become a leader on the bench. Um, The players, as far as I know, they all like him. And I think he's kind of found his home here. Um, Yeah,
1: I don't think the media has said one bad thing about Ken Giles in his time with Toronto, and that's very rare for Toronto sports media. So he must be doing something right. He definitely came in with the right attitude of, of fresh start, and he's made the most of it.
0: And that's why I think he will end up getting at least a three-year deal at the end of this because he's got his arbitration. I think he's probably Mm going to win something around eight, between eight and nine, nine being the upper limit, like absolute upper limit. Yeah. Just because I think he'll need one more prove me year before he gets the big, the big contract. And even then nine might be a little bit high for a reliever going into or a closer going into free agency. I'd be interested in seeing Ken Giles pitch more innings when he's not needed, because I think part of his issue was that in non-save situations, at least in Houston, uh, he was having a miserable time, and they 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 were the the management here clearly knew that, and yeah. they made it so that he never had to pitch in those bad situations. At least this or last year and this year. Last year, year. well, this
1: year he, I mean, he got into fifty-two games and only twenty-three of them were save chances. So he did pitch in in other games, right?
0: Yeah, there were where we were either down by a run or it was tied. And yeah. that's that's fine. I just I'd like to see us if we're going to pay him that that much. I'd like to see us get at least 75 innings out of him. Fair. Um, if we're going to pay him, so next year is kind of the ultimate like show me where it's his last year of arbitration. We'll see what happens, but obviously we're on the same page. Yeah. Let's keep Ken Giles. See what happens though next year. Clayton Richard. He got. Uh him. He, he yeah, he's done and uh you know, he he's had a positive impact in the clubhouse and he had a positive impact uh on the outfield or not the outfield, sorry, the um blah, 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 the bullpen. So, you know, he's 35. He's not really somebody that we're we're going to sign, you know, long-term. <laughs> um, it's probably best we keep it there. Uh, Luke Mele, uh, he is on the wrong side of 30. He's already been surpassed as far as ability by Reese McGuire, at least at the plate. Um, is Luke Melee gone?
1: Yeah, he's been surpassed by Alejandro Kirk in in, in uh, Dunedin in terms of ability. So, he gone.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's probably where we can leave it, <laughs> with Luke Melee, RIP Mailman. Uh, Clay Buckholes. This is interesting because uh, yeah. Clay has lost his effectiveness as a starter, but could you see Clay kind of morphing into a one- or two-innings starter? Or not starter, but like opener, and then maybe sticking around and being that positive Influence on some of the younger pitchers. We know obviously he had an impact on Trent Thornton, but do you think we give him another shot next year?
1: I I'd like to see Clay Buckles back, but yeah, not as a starting pitcher. Um, the guy is is going to be—he's 35 now. He turned 35 in August, and I just don't think he has any usefulness left as a starter in terms of like value um as that one or two inning relief pitcher opener mid mid relief whatever it is i think he does have value and he's a veteran guy that that young pitching staff needs a couple of veterans hopefully they bring that shoemaker back sorry to segue into another player that might be coming back um but i'd like to see him back too uh, along with shoemaker uh just so we can have those two guys leading Shoemaker with the rotation and Buckholz hopefully in the bullpen. Uh,
0: next guy on our list, Derek Law. Um, I know you're not exactly warm and fuzzy on Derek Law, but you have to admit that since the All-Star break, Derek Law has been one of our best, if not our best, um, middle reliever. Is certainly in his last 30 games, uh, ERA of 2.87, 31.1 innings pitched, tw- uh, 32 strikeouts, 25 walks isn't great, but uh, he only gave up 10 earned runs.
1: That's, yeah, the walks are bad.
0: The walks are bad, and I'm sure if we were able to uh, actually look into what his uh, FIP and XFIP were in the last 30 games, they're definitely higher than 2.8. <laughs> Uh, two point eight seven. Yeah. Do you think Derek Law is back next season?
1: He could be. Uh, I mean, yeah, four point eight three ERA overall, four point nine zero xFIP. So he's pitched along the lines of where everything says he should. Um, he could be back. It's it's gonna be another year of of eighty or ninety losses probably, unless something miraculous happens. But uh, yeah, I could see him back.
0: His walks per nine is 6.03. Yeah, it's and not his great. Home, his home run rate is 15.7, yeah, which we'll, is far we'll, and away the highest of his career. Yeah, so I mean... Same, same with the walks.
1: Yeah, well, uh, we'll give him another chance. <laughs>
0: uh, I think he's lost his effectiveness as a pitcher. Uh, even though his last 30 games he has managed to dodge Houdini-style, uh, <laughs> getting lit up. His whip is is down significantly from in those thirty games than what it was before. Um I don't know, man. I don't see the point. He's yeah. he's you know, we could probably pay somebody significantly less to do the same job. Um, but I think uh he's arbitration eligible in twenty twenty one. So we might keep him around just to burn that year and then yeah, give him the old boo, uh, Yeah. At the end of the year. There's a bunch of relievers, actually. I don't even want to bother talking about them, to be honest with you. No. Um, I think we can universally agree Matt Shoemaker will be back. And I, for one, am very excited to see what he does. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but do you think our season would have been dramatically different if Shoemaker didn't get injured at the start of the year?
1: Not dramatically. I think maybe we lose five less games than we did. Um. It would have been nice to see a full season. I, I just want to see a full season of Matt Shoemaker. He's been a guy I've been a fan of for a long time. Uh, I just wanted to get healthy. He, he, he's a nice guy. He deserves, a, he deserves to be healthy. That's all I want to say on the subject.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's... At first, I was, I was not really impressed with him in uh, spring training, and I was very vocal about that. But in the five games he did start for us, he looked solid. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I'm very fond of uh, of some of the other pitchers that we had running for us, but Shoemaker did have a little bit of that Houdini thing where he was escaping bad situations. Uh, he had a 1.57 ERA in those 28.2 innings pitched, but his FIP was 3.95, which is still good, much better than league average, and his xFIP 4.47. So He was beating the average of what he was expected to play as. So he was definitely playing out of his mind good. It would have been cool to kind of see how much longer he could have pulled that off. I think he would have won at least 10 games this year uh, for sure. And I I don't know, like we're probably going to end up finishing the season with 97 losses. If you say we lose about five less games, so we get we get pretty close to 70 and 90 which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'd say that would be. Would have been about the same as last year, which is impressive considering how absolutely garbage a lot of our pitchers were this year. We never had anything line up uh, and go on a good enough run. Jonathan Davis, um, he's running out of runway, man.
1: Yeah, he's fourth outfielder at best. This is his potential.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like, given the fact that we do have anthony alford waiting to get more playing time
1: and he's out of options next year
0: yeah so he might end up getting dalton pompey we'll see um, yeah, yeah i don't really want to talk much about davis or alford because i, I kind of want to save it a little bit um, yeah
1: that's a spring training talk
0: yeah uh devin travis has he he played his last game as a jay
1: <laughs> i think devin travis has played his last game of baseball
0: um i haven't heard anything about devin travis in months is yeah. there anything out there i have no idea uh
1: nothing really i mean end of august the toronto star was writing about how he may have played his last game as a blue jay the sports net wrote the article the same thing um uh, I, I think they, they're going to non-tender him because he's arbitration-eligible. They just won't offer him a contract to make him a free agent. And maybe somebody takes the flyer on a minor league deal. He's done. Yeah,
0: I mean, unless he was willing to take, like, the league minimum.
1: He um, won't be back with the Blue Jays. There's no there's no roster room for him. No, no room at all. Yeah.
0: And uh, last, but maybe also least, least. <laughs> Derek Fisher. Yeah. It's weird. This is a weird one because... There was so much positivity coming from Ross Atkins, and I will preface it by saying "I understand why because when Derek Fisher can actually makes contact with the baseball,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: less than you know twenty percent of the time or whatever <laughs> um, he's got power he's got pop there's potential there the problem is that uh, his vision is probably worse than my my grandmother, who was born in 1928. <laughs> so I really don't know if Derek Fisher uh, is, is a guy that we're going to see a lot of in years to come. Yeah. Um, I know you want to talk about Derek Fisher, but before we get to him, I do want to say that he... What can I say that's nice? Um, he doesn't strike out as much as I thought he would. And he certainly uh, has a, a decent OBP. It's about 120 points higher than his batting average. But that batting average was just... He'd have to hit a lot of home runs or a lot of extra base hits the rest of the way out just to get to 200. 200 as far as batting average goes. I mean, he only has 103 uh, plate appearances with us, but it's just, is there anything here at all? Is he just not an MLB player? Or what do you think?
1: The thing about Derek Fisher is that this team has not deployed him correctly. So let, let me kind of talk about why I say that. So Derek Fisher has a 190 batting average. Derek Fisher hits 160 against right-handed pitchers. Derek Fisher is a left-handed batter who hits better against left-handed pitching than right-handed pitching, and yet he has half of the at-bats against lefties as he does against righties because the team gives him days off when there's a lefty on the mound because they do not look at stats the way I do, (laughs) apparently. Um, Derek Fisher is a lefty who should be playing against left-handed pitchers. That's it. He should not play play against right-handed pitching because he can't hit them. I don't know what it is, but he's 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 a. It he goes against every rule ever in baseball of lefties being bad against left-handed pitching because he is he is not bad against them, and I don't think he's going to. I don't think he should be back next year. I think he will be just because Ross Atkins and and Mark Shapiro will want to make their their little trade look good. <laughs> Um, he should be the fourth outfielder and see no playing time, like almost zero.
0: You ready for a statistic that's going to make you barf? Oh, I'm always ready
1: for stats. Oh, here
0: we go. Um, Derek Fisher has four, five hits in the month of September. This was his <laughs> show me month. Yep. That's uh, five hits and 28 at bats. Good for a 179 batting average. Uh, he's Out of those 28 at-bats, he has struck out 16 times.
1: Yeah. Hit the showers, but
0: Certainly not the way you want to end your season. And um, hopefully his season is, in fact, done and we don't see him anymore.
1: <laughs> Derek I think is going to get the uh, the Willie Mays Hayes treatment when they move his bed out to the parking lot during spring training.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, I mean, we have uh, team control under him. Uh, until 2021. Who cares? So, I mean, he's 26. Send him down to AAA, and he's kind of like our third or fourth call-up. Yeah. This, I just... This
1: is, just... Who cares?
0: Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. So... <laughs> With that very depressing note, uh, we might as well talk about the playoffs, right? Because, I mean, we've been hyping it up now for a few weeks. Yeah. And the races are starting to wind down. And it's time to kind of take a look at who's left. So we'll start in the American League. Um, the Oakland Athletics are 95-63. and 63. They've got a half-game lead on the Rays. And the Indians are a game and a half behind Tampa Bay. So... Yeah. What two do you games think? separating.
1: What's... Yeah, two <laughs> games separating three teams, right? So, I mean, none of these teams have clinched yet. They all have pretty good run differentials. One, one of these teams is going to miss the playoffs, obviously, because only two of them can make it. Um, and it's gonna be a shame that that one of them has to miss because they're all decent teams. And you want to see good teams in the playoffs. But unfortunately, we can't. Um Honestly, I can I can see Tampa Bay missing the playoffs, if I'm being completely honest. The the Jays need to beat Tampa Bay twice. Um and the Indians have to win all three games. So nobody is a bigger Blue Jays fan this weekend than the Cleveland Indians.
0: Uh the Indians have four games left though.
1: Well oh, I guess they do play tonight, right. I forgot they have that game in hand. Yeah. So yeah, so but but still the Jays do have to beat the uh the Rays twice, and the Cleveland has to win at least three of the last four games.
0: Well, the, the, Rays have, the Rays have won three in a row going into tonight, and the Athletics... Actually, all three teams are seven and three in their last ten. Yeah. So they're all kind of in playoff mode already.
1: Yeah, the Rays are off tonight because they have only three games left against us.
0: Yeah, I would say, like... Uh, when you really think about it, and I hate saying that phrase... If Cleveland doesn't win tonight against Chicago, uh, against the White Sox, I think they're, they're fucked.
1: Pretty much.
0: You can't. They won't be able to bounce back. Not, not half an, They'd have to win all three of their final games, and then Tampa would have to lose at least two. Mm-hmm. It's just not. I don't think it's possible, but I don't know. It's going to be an interesting weekend for sure. I think Oakland, all Oakland has to do at this point is just – win a game.
1: Let me let me say this, though. If if Oakland loses tonight and Cleveland wins, Oakland and Tampa Bay are tied and Cleveland's a game behind, then any of those three teams could miss the playoffs if Oakland does not win tonight. If Oakland wins tonight, they're pretty much in. Pretty much.
0: And even if they lose, they still have an additional three games left.
1: Yeah. So All of those teams have three games left after tonight. Only yeah. Cleveland and Oakland are... Cleveland's playing right now, and Oakland plays later on against Seattle. And Cleveland's playing the White Sox. So they're both playing crappy teams tonight. Um, so hope- <laughs> hopefully they both win. But, yeah, the National League is done. I mean, we, we, when we started doing these little playoff updates two weeks ago, there were seven, six or seven teams alive in the National League wildcard. And thanks to the Brewers just refusing to die without Christian Yelich, Good for them, though. They've brought, their, uh, they've brought their run differential out of the negative and into the positive, now at a positive yeah. nine. And the Cubs have lost those eight games in a the row. They haven't won since before the last time we did an episode, which is not great in, in, in September. So uh, I think Joe Maddon's on his way out as manager there. He's probably going to go to like San Diego or something. Um, but yeah, the Brewers just won't die. Like, How are these guys winning? I don't get it. And then the Nationals have been on a tear too. So good for them. Um, those guys are going to have a fun wildcard game.
0: I think uh, what makes milwaukee so strong is the fact that they have just got they don't have any crazy elite pitchers but they've got just like a a huge stockpile of guys who are like good role players true and the scary thing is like i couldn't name any of these guys i'm referring to (laughs) yeah like it's just like nobody nobody is bad you know what i mean nobody's <laughs> nobody is bad if you look at the last thirty games or so for them you know they're their bottom five like their sixteenth worst pitcher uh it, or something like that his e r a is five point three one and he like <laughs> He's still, like, he gave up... Adrian Hauser uh, hasn't really been that great in his last 30 games, but, well, or I guess his last number of games that he's played uh recently. But, like, even still, he'd be better than any of the relievers except for Ken Giles that we have on our team. So, like, that's, like, pretty much their worst reliever is better mm-hmm. than almost all of our best relievers. Like, that's pretty telling.
1: Yeah. I mean, they'll... Pitching wins, wins championships, so if, if they can get in and, and pitch well, like they have been, you never know. If they can get past Washington. I still think Washington is the team that I would at least like to play in a playoff series just because they have that three-headed monster in their rotation.
0: Yep. I'm going to call it now, though. Uh, w- once we get into the playoffs, it's really going to come down to how well does Chase Anderson pitch for the Brewers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be counted on big time. And I guess we'll just kind of have to wait and see. They got a lot of really good hands uh, in, near the bottom of their rotation. Junior, uh, Junior Jera uh, mm-hmm. is 30, 34 years old, uh, and he had a 9-5 and five season, three point five eighty ERA. That's pretty good. 1.12 whip. These guys, they're going to go out there, and I, I think they're just not going to give up a lot of walks and a lot of home runs. So... It's going to be an interesting weekend, man. We'll talk about it next week. Um, that's about it for this week's episode. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, we'll be back in the studio next week. Sound quality will be up. Uh, no song today. Um, there's no point. Life is pointless. We miss you, Clayton. Please Have a come good back. honeymoon, buddy. Yeah, we'll see you next week with a new episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. Hopefully, sound quality will be better. And we will have an extra song for you. But uh, have a week. We'll see you next week.